Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. If you're talking about taking your art skills to the next level, a coach can definitely help you with that. I've been teaching archery for over 25 years. I'm offering a free 50-minute consultation call. Everybody that would like one, please fill out the form. I'll leave a link in the description so we can get to know you a little better and see if I can help you in your archery skills. So you want to be an archer. Uh, hi, my name is Rory Cantoray. I'm going to be host today on Archer Talk 101. We have a special guest on, on the show with us today. Um, James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Roy, for having me on. Yeah, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. As, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, um, how you got started, when you got started, and maybe even why. Okay, all right. Well, I, well, my name is James Holm. I'm, I live in north, north, northern Michigan on the northwest um, side of the lower peninsula right on the Lake Michigan coast. Um, we actually live about five miles from the lake, and I've lived here my whole life. I've moved away several times, but this is always home, so I'll always end up back here. Um, the archery thing started when I was super young. Um, Fred Bear, of course, um, and then guys like Chuck Adams and the Wenzel brothers and Miles Keller, all of those guys. The I mean, the cast of characters we know them all. Tom Miranda. MR James, the list goes on. And now we get to talk to these people on Facebook. They're, you know, we get to be friends with these people that are heroes of our childhood. So the archery thing just got even more exciting for me in the last five years, maybe. Um, I at this at this point right now, I'm I'm behind a crossbow. Uh, I have I've had two very invasive back surgeries. So I'm behind the crossbow now, but I've started to retrain the muscle memory with a recurve bow. Uh, so I'm flinging arrows with that. Uh, I thought it would come much easier, come back much easier for me, but it's it's truly been a struggle and it's, I mean, it's a fun struggle um, trying to get that back. So that's kind of where we're at now is I, my, my archery hunting, I know what everybody will say it's not archery, but my archery hunting's with a crossbow at the moment um not quite there with the recurve to where i'm comfortable enough to to take it out and actually hunt deer with it because i want to kill them not wound them so yeah and that you know my definition of archery you know the definition is a stick with a string flinging another stick yeah so does a crossbow fit that description it does indeed <laughs> so as far as i'm concerned it's archery <laughs> you, you know awesome. yeah i tell somebody to prove me wrong you know it's you're it's right you're right it's a stick and string flinging a stick yeah with a sharp pointy thing that's all yep yeah and they don't have to have sharp points they can be bludgeons you know a little board tip. those work good too they do indeed so what was it made you pick up archery the first time i i think it was honestly was the thing that made me want to do it the most was i was out after I had a bow, a recurve bow that was given to me by a, my trapping mentor when I was like 10 years old. And I carried it everywhere I went with my arrows and my hip quiver. And I went everywhere with it. I shot rabbits and partridge and 
base, there was really nothing safe. I was 10, 11, 12 years old. If it, if it was there, it probably wasn't safe. Um, <laughs> and as we know now, we know better now, you know, but then it was, I was just a kid. And then I jumped a buck out of his bed as I was doing the squirrel thing in the hardwoods, I jumped a buck out of the, out of a bed. And from that moment, I knew that that was the one animal that was probably going to not allow me just to walk up on it and sit there and let me shoot it. Um, so then the, cha the challenge was on from that moment. Um, and the first year I ever shot with a bow was that same recurve standing on a maple limb. He a little three point walked right underneath me and I let him have it and watched him tip over with a cedar arrow with a razor head on it, a Fred Bear razor head on it. So and he didn't, he didn't go 20. Yeah. So that's what made me want to do it was jumping that buck out of that bed. And I knew at that moment that that was the challenge to get close enough, like I just did there by accident, to be able to shoot that deer. And I knew that he wasn't going to just lay there like a squirrel or a rabbit. So the hunt was on at that moment. Yeah, that when you get get that kind of excitement out of just seeing them hop up and run off. Yeah, um, and my of course my dad was you don't hunt deer with a bow and arrow you can't that you that can't be done you can't do that, that won't, you're not gonna do that. And then when I had to go home and tell him that I needed him to come and get a deer that I'd shot with my bow and arrow he went huh, I guess you can do this. <laughs> so he was he was a little less uh, doubtful of it from that moment. Um, and I quickly progressed from that recurve into my first compound. Uh, and then three, four years, I was really, really into the, into the compound thing. And about the time the overdraw bows started to hit the market, uh, PSC had, a, had that first overdraw, had to have it because it was fast. Uh, figured out real fast I didn't, that wasn't my thing. Uh, didn't need all that speed. I didn't like it. So we went back to regular basics and I shot a compound bear with no sights, just my recurve or my uh, quiver never hung on the bow when I hunted. It was always on a limb or a nail or something. I didn't ever, it was always a bear bow, fingers, no sights. I was never, and then when you couldn't shoot bows with fingers anymore, I went back to the recurve uh, when they shortened them up so much that you couldn't shoot them. Uh, didn't like the releases. Now I've come full circle. Now I'm working my way back into that. There's some, as you know, there's some bows out there that are extremely adjustable for people who don't have large, heavy draw weight. Right. So that's where we're kind of leaning now. I'm going to try to maybe step into that. A little less forgive, little, little more forgiving than the, the recurve world. Yeah, when you get those compounds, a lot of them are real adjustable as far as draw weight and draw length. You know, you can wear down from kids to clear up adult, adults, you know, the same bow will fit all and, of them. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and all the, the, I mean, and all the reputable, reputable brands are making bows like that now that are right. super adjustable. Well, the ones that want to stay around a long time are making them now. So. Yeah, I know when my kids were young, you had to decide, okay, do you want the kids bow? Do you want a medium bow, adult bow? And nothing varied that far, you know, draw yep. weight, you know, maybe three or four inches at most. Yeah. And and some of them are only, you know, like one or two inch draw length range and and you know, 10 pounds of draw weight range. So you had to go in and change and put uh 
um, you know, different limbs on it and, and all that stuff now. You know, now when the ones that uh, um, you have, you know, as the draw length gets longer, the range increases as well. Yeah. And, and those are nice because you can go from, you know, a kid to an adult shoot the same bow. You know, yeah. as long as they don't have like 32 inch draw length. You know. Yeah. It's funny you said that I just read a post today on Facebook, a guy said he was looking for a, a bow to target shoot, a league bow, and he needed one with 32 inches on a draw. And I thought, man, that guy must be seven feet tall. Yeah. Because that's a lot of length. Well, a lot too in arms. I know one guy that used to work for me, he was a little bit taller than I am, but he had like a 27 inch draw length. Yep. I have 29 and a half. I, I shoot 29, but you know, I had a two inch longer draw length than he did. And he was actually a little bit taller than I was, but he yeah. had shorter arms. I got longer arms. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot going into that. And you know, we just got to fit the bow to you. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, I'm I'm super excited about this being able to get into a I as much, I mean, I really do like to shoot my crossbows and hunt with them and do all of that with them, but they're they're very cumbersome and they're very bulky and they're they're uh, they're kind of difficult at times i but they work they do what they're supposed to do uh, they fling that sharp pointy thing really fast right uh, and the end result is a dead deer at the end i mean i just that's the thing but i'm super excited to get back into the into the compound because i really liked it when i was younger um and i thought i'd lost it forever with my back and now I can see that that's not lost forever, thankfully. So you start back with a low poundage bow and, and work up the muscles and eventually get yep, back into it. Yep, I'm right around 35 pounds I, on, a, on a good let off bow, you know, on a good wheel bow. I can 35 to 40 pounds right now. Um, I don't want to hunt with one until I can draw 52. That's right. just my person. That's my personal thing. And that's all. Um, it's just a number that's in my head since I was young for no reason, I guess. It's just stuck there. Well, and it, it's kind of funny you mentioned 52 pounds because my first bow that I killed a deer with was 52 pounds. And I was 20 feet up in the tree and it was 40 yards away. And I had a full length 2117 aluminum arrow, which is long and heavy. And yeah. I think 125 or 145 grain tip on it, muzzy broadhead. Mm -hmm. and i shot and that deer turned around the arrow went, must have went clear up to the fletching and that was at like 52 pounds <laughs> yeah that's i just it's a number i've picked in my head that as soon as i can draw that consistently without a lot of pain or issues i'm gonna that's when i'll start so yeah we'll just, see what happens just work your way back up and yep yep know, a lot of people like to shoot heavy weight you know, I, I don't shoot the real heavy weights, but, you know, I, I shoot 70 pounds. Yeah. And I found if I'm shooting at 60, I don't lock into my form as well as I shoot at 70. But, you know, when I've shot 300 rounds with a 70 pound bow, you know, it gets a little bit tough towards the end. But mm -hmm. it's it's weird for me. It, the longer I shoot with it, the better I, I my scores to go. You know, I my first you. my first end isn't near as good as my second and my best group is normally my last group go figure i'm tired by then but the muscles are worked up you know what i mean you've your muscles are warmed up by then and your form is dialed in 
right you know, second nature by that second when you should be so tired your body's second nature yeah you, you struggle and you go through it and yeah you know we'll start at one of those tournaments or a 3d or something like that and he says no any, any practice shots it's like no first one counts i'm a bow hunter first shot counts the second yeah. one don't count because you don't get it right so it's right. like there's no warm-up i just go into a call i've never really been much for warming up i make the first shot count and <laughs> go from there yeah yeah and I then go on the blood trail yeah yeah i've i've had some uh I remember one time, I don't think I've told us any of the podcasts for, but we had an area we was hunting, you know, not too far away from us. And, you know, it was kind of rainy that day, not pouring down rain, but just kind of a mist. So I knew it was going to be kind of a wet day. And the guy I was hunting with, um, he says, yeah, I want to go hunting because he was going, whether I went or not. And I knew, sure enough, if I didn't go, he's going to sit in my tree stand and kill a deer out of my tree stand. So right. I went ahead and went. Well, guess what? Come walking by a deer. Yep. And, and so I shot it and I watched where it runs. So I knew kind of where it went in. And so I waited, you know, the appropriate time, you know, half hour, an hour and got down. And, you know, it it was light rain, but it missed it enough that it kind of washed most of the blood away. So I'm following footprints in the ground and a few spots of blood here and there. And I found it. You know, but basically just tracking footprints because it was muddy, and I kept yeah. following those prints, and and sure enough, you know, there it was. So yeah, called it out. Yeah, that, I mean, there's a lesson right there. You can, I mean, I I read over and over and over. Need a dog? I need a dog. I need a dog. It's like people have forgotten how to trail their own deer. Right. Um, I and I'm not dogging on the guys that have dogs and use dogs at all, but it seems like that that part of the of hunting has faded very much there's nobody's teaching their eight and ten year olds and 12 year olds to track deer they're giving them they're handing them the dog list here's your dog trackers they'll find your deer for you you just shoot it they'll come get it I, and i feel like that's i think that's shouldn't happen we that's an important part of what we do it makes right. us it rounds us out it finalizes the it finalizes the kill to walk right. up on like that um because it's different behind a dog when the dog's chasing after and you're just chasing a dog running through the woods in the dark i don't know i'm i'm old school i guess i'm an old guy i i want to walk i want to walk up on that deer myself and be the first one to see it or have somebody say oh i found him right well, not necessarily you know you know the excitement everybody knows that excitement yeah I, you know there, there's times when i thought you know you can't find this you can't find it and then you know it sure be nice to have a dog to track it you know but there's some that we've tracked for three four hours and never did get to them because spot here spot there it was probably a bad hit and who knows where that dog would have went try and follow it uh, yeah. there's other times that we're, we're following the dark we can't find any your blood's all gone we're trying to find we're walking we're walking around and it's at night we can't find them and yeah. we just like okay we don't know where it went we can't find. we spent half the night looking for it and then we're still hunting the same area because it's private property yeah and then uh, next time we go on it's like wind's blowing from the direction where it run off to is like okay i smell something sure enough daylight we stopped about 30 feet from where it was at yeah 
yeah, you know. It happens. It, it, yep. I the, I shot one with my with my rifle this late our late antlerless season, and went down to find where she was at. And I found the blood and I followed her and I walked right up on her in a bed. Well, she kind of got up and I, she ran away with her tail down and I knew she was hit hard. I could see the blood. Right. So I backed away from her and I went around and I was just going to leave and come back. I was going to let her run off come and come back. And as I was walking out, I was walking on another trail and I looked down one of our other mode paths and she came running at me. And when she turned in, I could see the wound and it was back. I, and I knew that it was back by the, when she ran off so I went home and I came back and I looked pulled it up on the aerial on my map and I went well she ran right into her bed in the bedding area I knew and had I just turned off the trail and went in she was laying right there she didn't go 10 yards off the trail when I watched her jump she fell down and she ran away from me and I just didn't know it I'd have had her I went home and spent three hours waiting and she was already done right so yeah. but for fear of running her off of our property, I left. Yeah, and so, sometimes that's what you got to do. I, I know yeah. one time uh, I was I was hunting and and this deer come running by and um, I just moved my stand further up where it's coming down from and I shot this deer. It was it was kind of walking. I I shot and wasn't exactly sure where I ended up hitting it because you know I'm following it through trying to go there. Well, I waited and waited. Buddy shows up that we're hunting with. And we start start tracking it. First, I got down and said, okay, here's a blood trail. So I know for sure I hit it. Come back. We started walking down. We got down, oh, probably um, 20, 30 yards. And this deer got up and starts running off. And he says, no, we're, we're not going any further because we'll just yeah. chase it forever. So we walk straight out so we knew where that was at. And problem we have is they're supposed to get three or four inches of snow that night. But we couldn't we couldn't keep tracking it because yeah. we got this snow coming, and so we come back the next night. Buddy and his son we come out there and I said we're looking for a lump with snow on it. We aren't going to see the deer because there's too much snow on the ground. So sure enough, we're we're walking around and I ended up finding it. Here's this lump with snow on it, and when you have that not great hit, you know, yeah. bad hit. Um, you know, it can take a while. So we got to it and it was, you know, down into, you know, below freezing because we had snow. Right. And we got to it. And this is 24 hours after I shot it, over 24 hours because I shot it during daylight and come back the next day towards the evening. And sure enough, that, that deer was still warm inside. The legs were froze. It was still warm. So it hadn't been dead very long. Yeah, it had yeah, enough yeah. snowed on it that night and it just laid there and and died so you know it's just you, you don't want to chase them no well no they'll just keep running and running and running and running that they just that that adrenaline will keep them alive for a long time right and then your neighbors will get them right they'll find them and then and they get them especially if you don't yeah. have a big property area yeah yeah and that's we the property we hunt is small we hunt a 37 acre piece I mean, we're lucky we have good neighbors on one side. The neighbors that we have on the other side, not so much. But they're not, yeah. they're not absolutely horrible, but not, you know, I mean, if a deer, we shoot a deer and it runs in there, we're, they're not going to let us come. They won't. I've asked before and uh-uh. I've asked before it even happened, uh-uh. So we, we avoid that whole edge of the property at all yeah, costs. just avoid it. Yeah, 
Um, we try not to hunt anywhere near it. We're set up in one spot that we won't, I'll, we're real selective when we hunt it. It's only about 60 yards from the property line, but it's super good. It's a great pre-rut seeking space. Um, so we hunt it. Um, and luckily the deer with the new technology with broadheads and all of that, these fast bows, they don't normally make it more than 30, 40 yards and they're done for. So yeah, if we good. if we do our part, they're done within sight normally. Yeah, they don't so, run off too far unless you make that bad hit, you know, like right, right. Done. And that happens. I mean, and it does happen. I mean, you know, and but I've for years I stood a pretty hard stance on only fixed bladed broadheads, only fixed bladed broadheads. Well, kind of softened a little bit. I've started to shoot Thorns broadheads. I shoot their crown fixed. And that thing is just wicked. Blows, looks like a 12 gauge slug went through a deer. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the, it cut, it's only an inch and inch and an eighth in diameter, but the cutting surface is three and a quarter inches because of the bevels of the blades. It just, and it cores it out. There's no way for healing. It won't heal. It can't. Oh. It cores a hole out when it goes through. But I've started to shoot their HPX mechanical, which is, I believe, an inch and three quarters cut. And that I've, I've not shot one through anything yet. Um, but I was in camp with Greg Wilson, the owner of Thorn, one of the owners, and he shot a doe with it. And the exit wound, your, your whole hand would fit through it. Oh, and that's, um, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, and it that deer ran away from him 15 yards, tried to go uphill, tipped over and rolled down and landed basically at the base of his tree stand. So it didn't go anywhere, fell down right at his feet. So it's and that's that kind of softened my stance on these mechanicals and their their the the way their deployment system, they won't deploy, they can't deploy prematurely because they have a plunger um and they just they just don't fail so i all the seems like all the quirks that new broadhead companies have in the beginning that you know the failure to open the open and premature all of that they work that out super fast and they just don't have that issue anymore and they shoot like field points that's no joke yeah that's that's the thing about mechanicals is they're they're gonna shoot Maybe not exactly, but close enough that you know at hunting ranges, you're not going to yeah. notice a difference. Oh, for yeah. sure, and the, and no exposed blades on these is the other thing too. So they truly are just an extended field point. Yeah, I actually brought up their uh, um, their website. You can take a look at a couple of them. Yeah, you know, for our for those that get to watch the video, uh, you'll be able to see them. I'm going to share my screen here. Uh, you should be able to see the Thor broadheads. Oh yeah, that's the new act. That's the XV there. Yeah. 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 For for those just listening, uh, you're not going to be able to do it, but it's uh, uh, ThorBroadheads.com is where we went to, and uh, that's uh, that's what we're we're going to look at here. Let me go ahead and stop the share for for those that uh, um, are watching this. Yeah. But yeah, that's the. Uh, I kind of like to look at them. They're they're kind of nice. 
look and there's a couple different varieties in there it looks like they have so yeah they have they have several and there's honestly there's there's none of them that are going to do wrong you know what i mean that xv i haven't shot that one myself but it's designed for high speed up to 750 feet a second so yeah because you need different broadheads when you're shooting with the crossbow just because the force will open yep. those things up and yeah and you know i, I was never support of low poundage using mechanicals because you always lose some force entering in and if you're already shooting a low weight absolutely you know, like in, in your 40 45 maybe even 50 pounds yeah you, know, you just lose so much having to open those blades up but you know when you're shooting 60 65 70 pounds you you know you've got it i shoot 70 pounds so i got plenty of kinetic energy oh, to open them right. up you know right. hitting them uh, when you look at the kinetic energy it's required to kill a deer, and uh, last time I looked, my arrows, it's like it's still had enough kinetic energy out to, you know, 60, 80 yards, 100 yards, something like that. I forget now, but, uh, you know, they just got so much energy now. I I I shoot muzzies. That's the first broadhead I had. I've always shot muzzies. Yeah. I do have some of the Montax that I was going to put on mine because I didn't have, one time I didn't have time to get all of my stuff set up and and i got some of those but i never set them up and shot them let's go set them up on my my second bow to shoot them on there because the broadheads don't necessarily hit the same point as field tips yeah you know with the muzzies they don't what i did is that there's a little thing called a u-bar which is kind of a cone-shaped washer and you put a rubber o-ring on it and you can kind of adjust them so that the guy shoot a three blade so you line yeah. the three blades up with the fletching and then you yeah. find you can kind of tweak them a little bit here and there to adjust them so they all fly the same. And I know when I shoot my my hunting bow, uh, my arrows shoot a little bit low and left with targets. Yeah. I don't worry about it because I know my broadheads are on. Yeah. Because I I've set them up so that I can, you know, shoot uh, depending which arrows I had. If I had PLC come out with what they call the Hunter Shaft, which is 007 straight in this one. Um, I don't know why you call it Hunter Shaft. I shoot their Comp Pros, which is 001. You know, yeah. that's what I shoot, but I tried them out. And I couldn't get them to group in the X ring, but I get them shooting the white on a single spot. You know, that's kind of the difference between, between that, which is, which is okay. Most of my shots are 10 to 20 yards anyway, and I'm off by an inch or two. It's not really a big deal. Right. You know, because you have pretty negligible, right? Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. Most of my deer have been, well, ten yards or less. Most of them. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's the that I will say that's the one thing that I do I do like about the about the crossbows. I'm much forty yards is a really magic number for those things. They're 40, 50 yards. I'm really comfortable. I know, guys cringe when you start getting to 50 60 and you start going way out but these things are just zinging at 50 yards there should be honestly there should be no fear of that you know if you're doing everything else right and that deer's not on alert there should be no reason you shouldn't be able to zip arrows through them at 50 yards i mean right. every crossbow will do that um the buck i shot in kentucky last year was 50 on the button and i double i double lunged him i mean it complete pass through it was 282 pounds on the hoof and just punched him sounded like it went through a rain barrel when it went through him yeah instead of that slap it was a big thump big yeah. hollow thump um 
and I watched him go legs up. He went 40 yards and only because he was running downhill uh, and just went legs up. I watched his legs go up. Uh, biggest buck I'd ever, ever killed at that point. Uh, big nine point that the outfitter had never seen. He just showed up chasing does. Uh, first time he'd ever seen him on the farm and the last time he'd ever been seen on the farm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're right. Our, right time. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. And that's just it. He came in chasing does and hit a drag line that I dropped walking into my blind and he hit that drag line and turned and went on and on just right on it on a rope. Just huh. Walked out, walked right in front. Just like he, like the script, like I scripted it to happen. Just, Walked out, I gave him the blat, he turned and looked at me, and it was over for him. Yeah. You know, them crossbows are so fast, they're not, that that just whacked him. He was done. So. You know, they're a little bit louder, but they're a little bit faster, and and yep. sometimes I, I've heard of people that take, I've actually had a couple of people tell me the, the same story with it. Deer were standing broadside, and they shot, and heard a noise, and turned and looked at where the noise coming from, and took the broadhead between the eyes. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. It drops them. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that that could happen. Yeah, I don't know. I hope it never happens to me. I don't want to be, I, that'll be a picture that never makes the internet. If it happens to me, I can promise you. <laughs> yeah. I, I know it happens and I know things happen, but whew, that's cringeworthy. Yeah. Cause it just so, so much chance for error when they do that, but you know, that's, that's why a lot of people don't shoot the long shots is because it just takes one little bitty step yep. to be yep. a perfect, perfect shot to a shot that's going to take them, you know, a day or two to die. Yeah. Or you're feeding the buzzards at that point, maybe. Oh, yeah. I get it. But in my, I guess in my opinion, 50 yards isn't a far shot anymore. You know, I mean, really it's not, but that's, there are guys that are going to scream. Yes, it is too. And that's, I get it. I get it. Well, how far do you practice? Do you practice at 20 yards? Then practice all the way out to 60. Yeah. You know, so, if you practice the 20 yards, that you shouldn't shake a, a shot at 20 yards. You should be less than that. But if you're practicing at 80 yards and you can group at 80 yards, then you know, a 60 yard shot is you know not out of the realm of what you can hit. And when I when I practice at 50, you still can't shoot the same place. You're, I mean, you're, I'm still wrecking bolts if I try to shoot the same spot. So, right. you know, it's it's really comfortable. It just lays in there. And I've gotten a different crossbow. I won a new crossbow last year at a raffle. Oh yeah. Barnett, and I had a, I was I was shooting a killer instinct. I love the thing. It it's we've shot. It finally split. I finally lost a limb. And I'll bet it's been shot 2,000 times. And it finally delaminated on one of the limbs. Um, and I can't honestly can't say enough about that because they sent two heads to replace my busted limbs. Oh, They sent me two heads. So I've got one and then another one. I mean, I don't know if they're expecting it to break. <laughs> and I have another one already or what. But either way, I'm okay with it. Oh. And then this Barnett that I won, is even more impressive than that killer instinct and it's not as fast oh yeah yeah it's a the one's a 405 the other's a 385 and the 385 is a better bow it shoots better oh yeah maybe it's me i don't know might be the way the system i'm shooting because i didn't change my bolts at all i just went i 
just carried that bolt right over to see how it would shoot. And it shoots really well. I shoot full metal jackets at 20 inches with a 75 grain insert and 100, 100 grain heads. So they're not fast by any means, but they hit like a truck. Yeah, you get the, the mass behind them. Yeah, they, they, they stop. hit hard. They'll flip a block target over at 20 yards. Oh, yeah. Knock it over if you hit it too high, yeah. I don't know, back <laughs> when I was working at uh, uh, Bass Pro here, probably uh, not quite, probably about 15 years ago, somewhere like there, uh, we'd get Barnett's in and, you know, you said yours is good. Most of them were just, they were just terrible. The quality yeah, they, was, was terrible. The last two years, they've kind of made, they've kind of come around the corner and the quality has gotten much, much better. Um, because I yeah. know they were bad, bad, bad for a while. And Killer Instinct gets a bad rap too. I mean, there's no mistake there. They've had bad problems with limbs. Uh, but they've made up for that in, in customer service and now they seem to have fixed it. Right. So. You know, they it cost them a lot of money to keep it, keep people happy in the end, but now they fixed the issue. So let's hope for them. I know when crossbows still, you know, being popular, you know, um, Horton and uh, Barnett were the names in crossbows. Yeah. You know, and then Horton sold out and now 10 Point owns them now. They, yeah. Uh, uh, then Barnett went down to where they were, they were, they were terrible. When I was putting them together, you know, here not too long ago, um, I could take a 10 point, put it together and a third of the time it took me to put together a Barnett and we're, we're trying to put them together and we're having to modify them because things don't fit. And it, it's like their, their tolerance was plus or minus a half inch. Oh, wow. You know, on, on stuff because what, things aren't fitting you're fiddling around with it you're taking forever to put them together and like i said i could assemble three 10 points the time it took me to do one barnett and i just i wouldn't push them <laughs> you know and yeah, then they come out with, with, there's other ones and now it's nice to know that they're they're at least got their quality down where they're at least a little more decent bows well when i put this one together out of the box i didn't have any issues with that everything Snap, you know what I mean? Went right together like it was supposed to. Uh, everything fit right where it was supposed to. When I, the scope came mounted already on the rail. Uh, we, uh, I took it out of the, when I put it all together, I took it out in the first two shots. I only had to make two adjustments. It was that close right out of the box. I was surprised at that, honestly. But yeah, two adjustments and I was hitting bullseyes. So maybe I got lucky. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good that because when I was working at uh, Bass Pro, I yeah. didn't have any that come out of the box like that. Really? None of them. They were all problem. And problem this is piles, the, as you might say. <laughs> yeah, and this one is honestly probably one of their one of their least expensive models. It's under five hundred dollars. Oh yeah. So, you know, so that, again, got lucky maybe. You know, I got one of the good ones. Who knows? As long as it stays in one piece, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that's and you're now. Where do you hunt? Where do you? Where are you at? Nebraska. Which, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's that boy. That'd be terrible. I'd hate to hunt there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're having a heat wave. I I looked at the temperature a little bit earlier today, and it was like thirty five. Oh wow, it's warmed well, up. Yesterday it was single digits. 
I was going to say here two weeks ago, wasn't it about 35 below? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, the wind chill has been down there in, into the 30s and 40s, the wind chill and our temperature. But it, the into... wind always blows there, doesn't it? Isn't it always oh, yeah. windy? Yeah. But the only time you don't have wind is maybe first thing in the morning. Uh, we've had winds and 40, 50 mile an hour winds and, Ugh. you know, it's, it's my least favorite thing is the wind. Yeah. It's hard to shoot in the wind. It's hard to do everything in the wind. Yeah. Especially being outside and, and the wind like that blowing stuff away. And, you know, yeah. I thought I had my cover for my four wheeler, you know, anchored down and it's, it disappeared. I don't know where it went. Gone. The neighbors have a new cover for their four wheeler. That's where it went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I have, I don't know where it's at. So, so do you're, are you a strictly archery hunter? Is that all you do is archery hunt? No, I'll I'll do do rifle and you know I don't do too much shotgun anymore just because um, my knees don't like me walking that much in the fields. Yeah, and you know I can spend all day walking fields and get three pheasants. Gotcha. Yeah. Or I can go walk to my tree stand, sit in a tree stand, and wait for a big deer to come by. <laughs> True that. Yeah, you're right about that. Whole lot more meat on a deer than a pheasant. Right. Are you, you know, in the park? Yeah, I did a lot of pheasant. Do you have both deer there, mule deer and whitetail where you're at? Uh, where I'm at on the eastern end, just whitetail. But if you go out further west, the, the you yeah. have both. Gotcha. And if you go way out by the Wyoming Colorado border, there there are some elk out there, but not much. And I'm sure antelope once you get that far west. Yeah, yeah, you get antelope out here. Not too far away for your antelope. That's that's probably on the list here in the next couple of years for us is the antelopes. So we know some people in South Dakota. So yeah, there's always a lot of good hunting up there in South Dakota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of I get I'm lucky I get to go to a lot of places, um, get to see a lot of different different states, different different outfits, different properties, you know. And that's I'm lucky that way. I hunt Kentucky now every year. This will be my this will be the third year there. Uh, didn't get, I didn't kill last year. Was, the weather was awful. It was super hot the whole time we were there. Um, it cooled off the last two days we were there and the deer finally got on their feet and then we had to leave. Yeah. Um, what time of year was that? Um, we were there the first, the, the best time of year, November 3rd through the 8th. Um, and it was 65 to 80 degrees every afternoon. You know, the cameras were dead the whole time we were there. Yeah. And the last day that I was in the stand, I saw two bucks. And that was it. You know, and it is what it is. That's why we, that's why it's hunting, not killing. Right. Um, the year before that, though, I went out there. I killed that buck there. It was a, 2021 was a was a really good year for me hunting wise. Um, I killed my biggest buck ever there in Kentucky on the 6th of November, came home back to Michigan and on the 17th of November killed one that was even bigger than that with my rifle, um, antler wise, not, yeah. not quite as big body wise, um, but still two over 200 dress. So still a nice buck, four and a half year old deer that we knew, uh, just a really, really nice nine point with a, he was a 10, but he broke a, we called him the bent G2 buck. He had his G2s went back and then tipped up 
so they looked bent like he'd bent them um and when i shot him i thought he was a different deer i thought he was one of our great big eight points and when i walked up on him i looked down and i went oh the bent g2 buck is a broken g2 buck he broke it off the long one it was about seven six or seven inches long and he broke it off clean with the beam so I'm kind of excited to get him back from the taxidermist. He'll, it'll be another few months yet, but yeah, that one's a good one. Um, that's the first year we, that we actually killed on our, on our property that we manage. And, uh, not the biggest one that we had on the list, but regardless on the list, um, four and a half years old, just good, solid deer for where we're at and what we have to, where we're, what we're looking for. Just thought I'd check real quick and make sure nobody in nobody in the group had any comments yet. So okay, good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm and I'm I don't it doesn't matter to me what guys do, how they you know what I mean? It's your hunt, it's your tag, you do what you want. Uh, right. I'll never I'll never bash a guy for oh, he killed a year and a half old buck. Okay. That's his deal. You know, I doesn't mean I'm not saying under my breath, man, if he'd have let that have a couple more years, he'd really been impressed. Doesn't mean I'm not doing that either. But I'm not going to say, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. You do what you want. It's your tag. It's your property. It's your deer. Right. You want it? Kill it. If it makes your heart go bang, bang, let it rip. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, got, I, you know a, a, new, a new hunter, you know, I, I know one of my my daughter started I, I told her okay the the first year you see it was it was rifle she wasn't able to pull enough weight for archery but i said the first year you see shoot it if it's a fawn we don't care now after that let's talk about letting the fawns walk and then shooting the the does and yep. sure enough she had a fawn on a doe coming through and she let the fawn walk and took the doe <laughs> yeah but um you know your first deer you just got to get get that first one and you know yes get going and, and then after that you can look a little bit more and you know i don't necessarily hunt for the bucks um well and so you can't eat the rack and, yeah and the does would normally taste a little better <laughs> so that's generally what i go for and you know when you have you know here in nebraska we we used to only just have two tags you know so i get okay. two archery tags and it allows you to take a buck or a doe um on either one and i would shoot especially the first deer that come by i'd shoot that and then i'd wait till because i started middle of september and went through um december 31st except the nine days during rifle it shut down and i would hunt until december just shoot, you know waiting for a buck to come by and then in december then i just you know whatever i didn't wait for buck anymore i just just get meat in the freezer and yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where they've gone here in Michigan with these. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation there is our NRC, Natural Resources Commission. They're, they make all the rules and they change everything and they're, they're terrible. They mismanage our deer horribly. Um, right now we can shoot two bucks and 10 does. Um, used to be our doe tags were by county. Uh, every county had, its, had a number. Uh, DMU number and it got drawn like that and your doe tags were good for either private land or state land in that county only that was it well now they're just universal you go buy your doe tag your antlerless tags you can go anywhere you want in the whole state doesn't matter and just 
whack away, just start blasting away. Um, look, I get it. People are feeding their family on these things, but do they really need 12 of them? You know, I mean, did, if they're shooting adult deer they're I mean, that's a lot of meat, you know, right. 12 adult deer is a whole bunch of meat. Um, more than a cow for right. sure, you know, and that needs to be adjusted. We're working on truly, I would like, I, our tags right now are a combo, combo tag. Our two buck tags are good either sex. You can, at this point, you can shoot does and bucks on both tags. Um, so instead of killing two bucks on our places, we don't, we won't. And we won't kill four is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Because we're just because we're allowed. Um, it's my wife and I that hunt there. That's it. And if she shot a buck, I'm, I would be super selective at that point on which one I killed. Uh, however, if I shoot a buck, I don't want her to be selective because back to that whole, she's only, she's only killed two deer in her whole entire life. Oh, yeah. So, you know, send it. Start shooting. I, I want her to start knocking them down and laying down blood trails. I mean, that's the excitement. That's why we do this. Right. So we'll do it. Send those things down, down range. I want you to. Uh, I get more excited for her to see deer and get a chance than for me. I've done this a lot, you know? Right. And again, back to that whole, I get to go all these great places and do all these great things. So the time I get to spend at home with her to watch her do this, that's truly what matters now. It's I've been doing this a lot of years and to watch her now get excited when a deer comes running through the field, chasing a doe, a buck's chasing a doe. She got to see her first chasing this year and true rut activity, bucks, dog and does hard. She was like, look at them things go. And they were just flying everywhere. It was great. <laughs> you know, and not one of the deer was legal to shoot because we have antler point restrictions here. So they weren't legal. They were just crazy little two and a half year old bucks running wild chasing does. <laughs> you know but it was the greatest thing she'd ever seen at that point so i mean I, my whole mantra you'll if you look on my facebook page and read it is you know memories are forever and they're free so you should get out and make some well right. that one's burned into my brain forever you know there's no video i had the video camera there but there's no video evidence of that because i forgot to turn on the camera i was too excited so i didn't even have the camera running so, whoops, whoopsies, but it's okay because it's right here. It's all recorded. Yeah. yeah, you got it in the memory bank. Yeah, you got it. Yep. And so does she. And that's what really matters, you know, and kids to get kids started to talk to kids that are new and fresh at it. You know, like you said, they shot a fawn. That's awesome. I hate to read where guys just rip these kids that have shot a fawn. It's just a fawn. It's probably going to get hit by a car anyway. So, <laughs> you know, Better it ends up in the freezer than in a possum's belly. I mean, right. And they're re really good. You know, real right. nice they and tender. And meat. They taste super good. Oh, yeah. You don't get much, but it's really good tender meat. Well, yeah, it's like exactly. eating veal. It's better than eating veal. You know, veal is just a calf. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, yep, no, I, no big deal. I joke, I joke with these guys around here because we have to be, Michigan has an elk lottery. Well, if I ever got drawn for one, I might be tempted to shoot a 300 pound calf just because of the, the tenderness of the meat. 
Right. You know? I don't know if I want an eight or 900 pound cow. <laughs> I'd take that 400 pound calf. But when I went to uh, Canada, went moose hunting, you know, I, the guy I was going with, he had the bull tag and, and another guy was going with him and I went up and the other guy had the bull tag. So I ended up with a cow tag in a different area. And so I couldn't shoot a bull anyway. And I, I ended up shooting one, you know, with the rifle, it was rifle season mm -hmm. and it was long ways away. And, you know, it was one of those interesting shots that you, you make and, uh, um, you know, that's another whole story on that, but, yeah, uh, you know, that was, you know, that was a, you know, a, a story I remember for quite a while and, and the food was, the, the meat was just excellent. Yeah. See, it's, that's one of my favorite meats, moose meat, moose meat, caribou meat are right at the top, those two together. Um, deer, white-tailed deer meat, it's, it's edible. It's good. It's not horrible by any means, right. but it isn't the best venison on the planet. Um, Moose and caribou are way better, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I like haven't had caribou yet, but bear meat's good. I like bear meat. You know, I'm not picky. I'll eat most of it. Doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I won't starve to death. I can promise. What was What's that? that? A lot of it's how it's prepared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. you're right about that, and got to uh, do it right, and I cooked in restaurants for 10 years so yeah i can figure it out it yeah. turns out okay well and i like you know, good food yeah it all depends on you know how quick you got to it how you cleaned it you know when you're you're field dressing it yep <laughs> ah, there we go <laughs> had to hit the mute while i coughed <laughs> oh whoops um, you know how quick do you get it cooled off and and did you nick the the intestines or or did you make hit in the bladder or something you know and get get that in there and you know it's all just you know i've seen people take you know big knife and just slap it in and just start oh. sawing through it and, oh yeah yeah i've seen all of that yep you know i my brother started this to take you know you cut into it use the flay knife you know, just kind of flay it all back and you got the, the hide back out of the way even before you even go in there and then just barely go in and let it pull it all out and it all comes yep. out one unit. And See, and we've yeah. actually, believe it or not, and I'm I'm gotten on the bandwagon, we don't even gut them on our property anymore. We bring them home and hang them up and do it that way. Um, it For me, it's cleaner, it's faster. I can get them strung up, split them with a zipper knife and everything just comes right out into my dump bin and they're gone it's that easy and i've got water right there to rinse uh, as long as it's not 85 degrees outside i wouldn't do it that way obviously right but late october and into november it's normally plenty cool for that for an hour between finding it on the ground and getting it to my house i only live six miles from my property yeah yeah you're that close i'd probably do that too and then not not leave the the gut pile in the middle of the forest where you're hunting to track yeah. the coyotes that and Jeez, we've got off and, we've already got issues with those. I see them in the daylight. It's continual. It's ridiculous, but it's my fault because we don't go hunt them. I was just gonna say, well, time to go out and do some coyote shooting. Yeah, we're working on that. We're working on that. It's uh finally healed up from the we've got the I've got the back issues under control. Now we're waiting on a double knee replacement. I'm doing that next. So oh <laughs> so we're I've been kind of 
one step at a time. You know what I mean? It's it's a struggle most days, but we do it anyway because it's what we do. It's who I am. I have. Right. I can't not do it. That's not an option. So I mean, and the you know the we're on this not gutting the deer in the woods and all of that. It's I don't know that it really it doesn't really bother anything other than it concentrates predators in one area. Right. For a short amount of time, at least until they get rid of it. Um, so I don't, and it's like I said, it's more honestly for the cleanliness part of it. I can get them home and they're up, everything comes out and it's not a mess everywhere. Um, and I've got water there to clean up, clean it up with to make sure everything gets rinsed off right. Yeah. Because handling is, is everything taste wise. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, that my, my main, the main way that I, do this whole deer thing is I use my thing is mock scrapes it's it kills more deer than people can imagine all over the country it's probably the most underrated way to kill deer honestly the old timers will tell you that it works because they hunt on the scrapes yeah um but those guys were all focused on the natural scrapes and not they all were afraid to make fake ones. You can't make a fake scrape. They'll know the difference. No, they won't. <laughs> no, they do not. They'll know if they made it or not. Right. They, but they don't, they don't care who made it. They just want to know why he's there. Right. Who is, that's their whole deal is who is that? And where did they come from? <laughs> um, so, I mean, and I make, in all seriousness, I probably on our property will make in excess of a hundred a season, um, very easily over a hundred. It's constant and continual. I connect the dots continually throughout the season to move deer around where I want them, um, manipulate the travel patterns with them. I am fully manipulate the deer. I'll get right in their head and I will make them not know what to do next. <laughs> uh, create that doubt in their mind and forces them to stay visible. It forces them to stay in an area where I want them, where we're going to see them. I know they're going to come back immediately. If they hear me walk through, <laughs> if they're laying down in the brush and they hear something walk through there, they don't know if it was you or another deer. If they can't see you, they don't know what it is. And that's not hard to do to hide from them. You can, screening will do a lot. They just hear yeah. something go by. They don't know if it's another deer. Well, then the next thing you know, here he comes to see who just walked through. And it might be too late for him by then. Yep. So I, I fully believe that now fully mature bucks are a whole nother situation. Those deer are not easily fooled by any means. I'm not, so don't, let's make no mistake there. I'm not <laughs> saying that you can fool a five and six-year-old buck with mock scrapes every single day. That ain't going to happen. That I understand fully. But for the average guy, who couldn't give a rip about a five or a six-year-old buck. If he kills one, it was by accident most of the time because it right. ran through at the right time. For the average guy, which is the guys that, that's who I want to help are these, the average hunter, because that's what we are. We're all average Joes, right? So, and we want to help everyone. So I want that guy that's whacking that two and a half year old eight point or that three-year-old 10 point. I want that guy to go, holy cow. That's the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it was because that guy 
taught me how to do this or that guy I listened, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if what I say about this mock scrape thing can help one guy a season do what he wants to do, then I've done what I should in my mind. Obviously, I want to help way more guys than that. We got, I don't know how many, I've, a lot of my guys, a lot of my friends killed this year because of using stuff that I'm helping them do. So I'm excited by that. And it just keeps gaining ground now. It's picking up speed. And I don't think it's going to stop. I don't see it stopping now. So, and things like this help getting to talk to guys like you um, on these podcasts that helps get the word out that, you know, there's other ways. I color outside the lines a lot. Yeah, don't follow the lines. No, I'm 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 not that guy. I'm way outside the box, I can promise. Don't follow the rules the way most guys do. Well, if you if you do what everybody else is doing, you get the same thing everybody else has got. Right. Right. You know, um, you, you hear that all the time and you want something different, you got to do something different. Yeah, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. It just doesn't happen that way. Right. So I don't I don't know that you're on your deer on the eastern end of Nebraska, I'm sure would easily be manipulated by scrapes. You get to the western end where the mule deer and them cohabitate. I don't know how that would work out so much because I know I have never heard anyone say that the mule deer act like whitetails they don't make scrapes rub so much like that i don't believe that i'm aware of they're more roam around yeah I, that's kind of what i thought they more nomadic than a whitetail just cruising the cruising the sage flats and that kind of thing i just i don't know that i've ever heard anyone say that they make scrape lines and rubs and all of that like a whitetail will yeah, I, I don't know because I, I don't hunt them so I might get some hate mail now saying you're you know telling me I don't know nothing <laughs> I, I don't know anything about mule deer not a single thing I've never I've never hunted with whitetail they got huge antlers that I'll say yeah. and their antler structure is a little different yeah it is a little tail. weird yeah they're neat they're different for sure so yeah that's the whitetail is king obviously and then i just i would love to go on a coos deer hunt that's been on the top of the list for a lot of years but again the country where they live is pretty rugged and i'm not real mobile at the moment so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah you probably have to put that off just a little longer yeah you're not going to go on an elk hunt in the mountains anytime soon are you <laughs> no no I'm, unfortunately no i'm not going to be doing that either um and the pronghorn probably aren't going to happen unless I can do a water hole hunt. That I could do pretty easily. Um, yeah, they've got some of those out there where, you know, out a little bit further west in, in Nebraska, they've got a lot of antelope out there and yeah. they have a lot of water holes and you could just set up on a water hole and. Yeah, you just wait for them. Yeah, wait for them to come drink. That's That's all there is to that. So, yeah, that's and then turkey season, we. We, we turkey hunt, of course. Um, my wife's a turkey fool. She loves it. It's her, it, that's her thing, really. That's her niche. She really loves the turkey thing. So, hey, do you archery for turkey or do you shotgun? Yeah, we, yep, we do. Yeah, archery. we use, uh, yep, both, either or. It depends on the mood. Uh, I don't know. I like shooting them with the crossbow, honestly. I like the archery part of it. So, she's got a new, a new 410 turkey gun, though, that, she got as a gift so she's ready to she's itching to make that one go crack so yeah 
it's a nice little gun. Uh, one of those little Stevens 301s. It's a really nice little gun. Oh, yeah. So it's, but yeah, that's, I mean, we do it all, honestly. It's not just deer. Uh, that's where my, my main focus is deer. But there are other things that I get distracted with for a few weeks here and a few weeks there. Um, but for the most part, the deer thing is, that's, it's what I do. It's part of my everyday, especially the last six, five, six years, honestly. Started with the, with the buck stick thing, like we talked about when we initially talked. Um, and it's just kind of progressed forward to where we are now. Doing kind of doing my own thing and trying to help people along the way, honestly. And we've got some new products coming. It'll be in within the month, they'll be ready to go. All mock scrape stuff, of course. Yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to let us know in the in the Facebook yep. group. You know, when those are those are out there, let us know and maybe we'll yep. do another another event just talking about the the new products you have coming out. Yeah, that sounds great. As soon as soon as I that's why I haven't brought it up a whole lot because I don't have any of the the dot com stuff ready yet. Um it's not not quite done. Um, but we're we're close, very close. So we're uh starting to release a few few teases here and there, showing some showing a little bit of what we're doing and what's coming. So that's good. By, by March, we should be ready to really fully let it rip. So are you are the owners in, in that or are you just my it's 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 a conglomerate. It's my daughter and um us doing it. She my daughter owns it and I'm just running, I'm just building and doing the scrape part of it. And that's that's that. It's it's my wife and I doing the that end of it, the scrapes, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a long time coming. Honestly, it's been a yeah, it just kind of come full circle now. We had some had some stuff go on previously that went on. That's all, you know. Life changes. We all have those th those events going on. <laughs> yeah, some sometimes you get handed some lemons, so you make lemonade, right? Right. So it is what it is. I got some I got some deer meat, so I made jerky. Yeah. <laughs> Tough pieces to chew. So I made some jerky. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, let me get that. Definitely like to talk to you again after we get going and all of that. Yeah. I'm sure the, the listeners would like to see what's going on because that looks like, you know, it sounds like something that'd be, you know, advantageous for, for all of us to learn is, is how well, to do the mock scrapes and stuff like that. So some of the products that we use that we, um, you can use it. And it's, it's a lot of it is, advantageous even more so for archery hunters because you can use these all these products as stoppers to get deer to stop exactly broadside where you want them at exactly the right yardage um they'll they walk up they stop broadside at 18 yards if you want or 15 yards whatever you need them um gives you that five seconds gives you that split second that you need to get them to stop moving just long enough to send one i mean so there's all of that yardage markers, any of that kind of thing. So the, the list goes on and on and on with that stuff. Um, that's like before, that's a whole nother conversation that could go for a whole hour by itself easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many things to talk about. And that's what's so nice about, you know, the way I've got this set up, you know, this podcast, yeah. I started a little over a year ago and 
and you know i've done quite a few podcasts now yeah i saw uh, that you had quite a few episodes yeah this is i think uh number 69 or 70 okay so i've been doing it for a while and and it's yeah. just so interesting you know talking to different stuff i kind of moved in a little bit more of the interview format uh, i still have content i put out different things i started off with you know because arch talk 101 podcast is all about helping new archers yeah yeah i started off with you know what do you do when you think you want to start shooting a bow you know going on take a few different steps you know what to look for when you get to the store you know safety things and and all kinds of stuff and, and then you know doing the interviews with people that own businesses that are real archery related and and talking with everybody from um teenagers to olympic archers and everything in between yeah. you know those yeah. that their whole focus is shooting 3d targets you yeah. know competing at the olympic level in, in 3d and competing on targets and you know uh, compounds crossbows like you you shoot um, yeah. into long bows recurve and olympic archery you know everything in between you know it's all a big big group you know i've talked to people all over the world and and that's when i say about the archer talk one on facebook group is we have archers in that group from all over the world there's people in there from china italy um africa canada united kingdom um yeah. i don't think people realize how popular archery is like around the world just archery in general right um, not necessarily art archery hunting but archery you know they there's a lot of people all over the world that shoot paper right right lots of them <laughs> lots and lots of them um, you know, and there's a lot of them that are really 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 good at it yeah and and some of them unfortunately i can't get them on the podcast because they can't speak english and oh. i don't speak their language so you know that's, that's kind of a little bit of a restriction you know you have to speak english to get on the podcast or have somebody that can translate for you yeah and you know that that's kind of the only requirement to get on the podcast is that we can talk in english because it's the only language I'm fluent in. <laughs> right, it's the only one I know, so that's the one we have to use, sorry. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's what we have to use. And yeah, I, I know when I was looking at, um, thinking about putting together an online archer coaching program, because I've become an archer coach in 1995, so I've been teaching for a long time, and I've taught all kinds of people from, you know, kids to adults to, uh, one guy had MS, so we couldn't teach the normal technique because he had to lock his arm out in order to be able to shoot because muscles just went all it, you know, right. to setting up bows um, to shoot two arrows at one time. You know, I've done tons and tons of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and he's in the group. The first guy I started with was, uh, I just started with the helping on messenger. And, and then to, you know, see how the coaching will work on online, you know, through a zoom call, like we're recording this, this show yeah. here helping him out so I had another guy that I helped out on here and you know getting better just to see you know how how's it going to work teaching online and it's seems to work really good you know we've got you we can see them we can record your videos watch them and you know I got some videos I created and you know here's here's how I do it um yeah I think it's the best for me right may not be for you but that's what we're going to find out in coaching right you know, exactly. everybody well, has their own little difference because your body's not like mine and, and no two bodies are the same but this basic techniques are going to be basically the same 
right you know, we teach right. a lot of stuff and you know my background i i i spent 20 years in martial arts uh, so i have a little bit different ideas and concepts you know by being efficient with you know your stroke going through and putting your power through the, the target so i teach slightly a little different i still teach the back tension release it's all basically the same there but yeah. you know that's all all stuff that's, that's a lot of fun and you know yeah. that's that's what one of the things you can do in the facebook group is you want critique on your form take some videos upload them we'll take a look at it we'll give yeah. you pointers yeah and you know that's just what all the group is and you know those that have made it this far is you know i'll leave a link in the description you know how to get to the facebook group mm-hmm. and then if you're interested in archery coaching i'll leave a link in there to a form to fill out to see if coaching might be for you uh, okay. we'll, we'll book a free 15-minute consultation call to see if coaching might be for you it might it might not we won't know but won't cost nothing to find out so i'll right. leave a link in there okay and then i can leave a link to your site if you would like um in, in the description they want to get a okay. hold of you talk to you about your product as well yeah that'd be great you just need me to send it to you in a message then i can send yeah that. yeah i can do that um right. so I'd like to thank you for being on the on the show today. And do you have any parting thoughts before we end this? No, you know, the only thing that just popped into my head was um, we're you're talking about this coaching thing and the teaching thing and all of that. I I just got the opportunity. Speaking of being taught, uh, uh, I got offered a spot in the class to become a official scorer for Commemorative Bucks in Michigan. So I'm going April. April 15th, I go for that. I go to that class. So that honestly, that's another another little thing that just is like, wow, this is great. Cause now I mean I can all, I imagine the the huge animals that I'm gonna get to score and look at and see because of that. So that that's exciting. So I could close with that actually, because I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that would be good to see all these nice, nice bucks coming in to get scored and yeah, that yeah, we need really to do nice. turkeys and turkeys and bears here too with that commemorative oh. bucks in Michigan. So lots of different things. Yeah, we have turkeys down here in Nebraska and deer, but we don't have bear. Yeah, yeah, we have too many bears, honestly. So yeah, don't send them yeah, down here though. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. We don't want them down here. I, I appreciate you having me on. I I do know that and appreciate your time. And. My name is Roy Canterbury. I've been your host today on Arch Talk 101 with James on the, the line here. Um, enjoy. Remember, I'll leave comments in there and we'll see you next time. <laughs>